Good evening and welcome to NTD News. I'm Stephanie Cox. Here are today's top stories. Four Americans kidnapped by gunmen in a Mexican city bordering Texas. The two countries now working together to find them. A violent attack against the police in Atlanta. Rioters throw fireworks at officers and set fire to construction equipment at a planned police facility. Is New York City Mayor Eric Adams mixing religion and politics? His recent comments have stirred up some controversy. How Adams is responding. And we hear from a mom on a mission to make a difference to the lives of those who've lost loved ones and those who haven't yet in the battle against the opioid crisis. The U.S. and Mexican governments are on alert after four Americans were kidnapped in Mexico. They were in a city bordering Texas when gunmen took them away. We're closely following uh, the kidnapping of four U.S. citizens in Matamoros uh, on March 3rd. Uh, the FBI working very closely um, with other federal partners and Mexican law enforcement agencies uh, to investigate this. I'm sure you saw the four Americans drove across the border and entered the city of Matamoros in Tamaulipas state on Friday. They were there for medical procedures when a confrontation broke out between groups. Several gunmen shot at them and took them away in a vehicle. U.S. and Mexican officials said the Americans were believed to have been targeted by mistake and were not the intended victims. Officials haven't identified the missing Americans. The FBI announced a reward of $50,000 for their return and the arrest of those involved in the kidnapping. The U.S. has issued a travel advisory for Tamaulipas State at Level 4, Do Not Travel. And in Atlanta, Georgia, a planned training facility for police came under attack from a group of protesters yesterday. They set construction equipment on fire and threw explosives at officers. According to the Atlanta Police Department, a group of violent agitators attacked the construction site of the Atlanta Public Safety Training Center Sunday afternoon. Uh, armed with fireworks, uh, rocks, Molotov cocktails, and other device, and launched a coordinated criminal attack against officers uh, that were at that location. Uh, the officers adjusted quickly to ensure their safety, uh, held the position until uh, additional officers arrived from DeKalb County, from the Georgia State Patrol, and then moved back in to make arrest into, into the area. Footage released by the police department shows rioters destroying multiple pieces of construction equipment by fire and vandalism. The site is for a new police and fire training facility worth $90 million. It's an 85-acre property in DeKalb County. Anti-police activists call it a cop city. Activists have been protesting against the construction of the facility for weeks. But the attack on Sunday marks the first time such protests turn violent. Actions such as this will not be tolerated. When you attack law enforcement officers, when you damage equipment, you are breaking this was a very violent attack that occurred this evening. Very violent attack. This wasn't about a public safety training center. This was about anarchy, and this was about the attempt to destabilize. No police were injured in the attack. Authorities detained 35 rioters and charged 23 of them with domestic terrorism. All but two of them came from out of state, with some coming from Massachusetts and Arizona, and even as far as France and Canada. The FBI and the Georgia Bureau of Investigations are launching an investigation into the attack. Reporting by Allison Lee, NTD News. New York City Mayor Eric Adams recently explained how his faith guides his policies. Some see it as violating the separation of church and state. Now Adams is clarifying what he meant. NTD's Jason Perry has that story. And we say over and over again, 
We need to build a world that's better for our children. No, we need to build children that's better for our world. On Tuesday, at an interfaith breakfast, New York City Mayor Eric Adams said when we took prayer out of schools, guns came into schools. And he added this. Don't tell me about no separation of church and state. State is the body, church is the heart. You take the heart out of the body, the body dies. I can't separate my belief because I'm an elected official. When I walk, I walk with God. When I talk, I talk with God. When I put policies in place, I put them in with a God-like approach to them. After Adams' remarks, protesters gathered outside of New York City Hall on Friday. They spoke out against what appeared to them as a violation of the separation of church and state. And according to the Daily News, a rabbi at the protest, Emily Cohen, said this referring to Adams. He said that he was a servant of God, and I wanted to assert that Mayor Adams was a servant of those who elected him. And on the other hand, conservative talk show host Charlie Kirk tweeted, strange to agree with Mayor Adams, but here we are. And on Sunday, Mayor Adams was asked on CNN to clarify what he meant during his speech. My faith is how I carry out the practices that I do in the policy, such as helping people who are homeless, such as making sure that we show compassion in what we do in our city. Government should never be in religion. Religion should never be in government. He said that Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot losing her re-election bid is a warning sign to the country. And Adams said safety is a prerequisite for prosperity. He also commented on New York City's controversial law that allows city workers to put people with severe mental illnesses in hospitals against their will. He said the policy is about building trust by giving them food and clothing. But if that same person has a, a stick in their hand, a knife in their hand, they're yelling, they're screaming, they're unkept, uh, they're clothing a soil, there's something wrong. Now, you don't wait until that person pushes someone on the subway system and then respond. No, we must be proactive to deal with this issue. New York City had a double-digit decrease in shootings and homicides in 2022. Jason Perry, NTD News. It's a big week for the nation's budget. President Biden plans to reveal his budget plan, and Congress is questioning two top officials on the state of the economy as the topic of recession looms large. NTD's Melina Wisecup reports. After hitting a four-decade high 9%, inflation is now at 6.4% following a seven-month decline. And right now, there are mixed signs for the economy with consumer spending and the job market up, but the housing market down. And that's coupled by economists anticipating and warning of stagflation. Economists predict that inflation could go down to, say, 4%, but plateau at that level, leading to stagflation, which is described as the worst because of its longer term impacts such as high unemployment and weight and inflation outpacing wage growth. Former Treasury Secretary Larry Summers says that he believes that the Federal Reserve does not is does not currently have inflation on a path that could lower it to 2% and until the Fed can do that they will have to continue tightening policy. Here's Summers current assessment of the state of the economy. The Fed will push and push, we will not get inflation accelerate and skyrocket out of control. But my guess is that the process of bringing down inflation will bring on a recession. 
And we do expect to see Republicans pressing Federal Reserve Chairman Jerome Powell about the need to do more to cool inflation when he testifies before the House and Senate starting from tomorrow. Meanwhile, there is still a political drama brewing in the background over the need to raise the $31.4 trillion debt ceiling. Senator Joe Manchin saying last week both parties are to blame for the deep debt. Our problem really isn't a Republican problem or a Democratic problem. It's an American problem. Think about it. We've been spending more than we bring in in our government every year for the past 21 years. Can't we even talk about that and see if there's a pathway forward? President Biden and House Speaker Kevin McCarthy have met once to discuss how to move forward on raising the debt ceiling, but we have not yet seen any framework of a deal or an agreement come out of that meeting. President Biden later this week at an event in Pennsylvania is expected to unveil his new budget plan. Reporting in Washington, D.C., Melina Weiskopf, NTD News. Next, we hear from a mom who's on a mission to stop the loss of life occurring every day within our borders from fentanyl. Overdose deaths involving opioids increased by 15% last year from the year before to 81,000. She says, especially with the prevalence of social media in our lives and the lives of young people, the risk of fentanyl poisoning is alarmingly high for anyone. April Babcock runs the nonprofit organization Lost Voices of Fentanyl, and I spoke with her earlier today. April Babcock, welcome to our show. Thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. April, thank you so much for joining us to speak about this deadly fentanyl crisis that's happening across our country today, a crisis that's only intensifying. You lost your son, Austin, to fentanyl poisoning just a few short years ago, and now you're raising awareness of the illicit use of this drug. What's your message to people out there watching today? The main message is fentanyl needs to be a household name. Every single parent in America needs to know that word and what can happen because young kids are dying from fake pills. They think they are taking a real pharmaceutical grade pill like an Adderall, a Percocet or a Xanax. And in all reality, it's not what they think they're taking. It's a fake pill made with 100% fentanyl and whatever binding powders the Mexican cartels are using to bind these pills and drug dealers here in America, you know? So we have drug dealers and the Mexican cartels. That's who's making all these pills that these kids are buying on the internet. I tell people, young kids, don't trust your friend. If your friend says, hey, I stole this from my grandma's medicine cabinet or, you know, I took this from my mom's medicine cabinet because let's get real. A third of the world is prescribed like Xanax, Adderall. We have elementary school children that are prescribed Adderall. And now the Adderall is fake. So literally our youth, America in general, is under attack. And through your organization, Lost Voices of Fentanyl, you speak with families who suffered at the hands of fentanyl, other families, as, as in addition to your own. Are there issues that you feel are not being addressed in this battle or not being spoken about enough? Well, besides the tax reports, let's talk about social media. Social media is where a lot of these young children are buying their illicit drugs. And they go to Snapchat and literally can order any drug they want, and it's delivered like a pizza. It's just like Uber Eats for drugs. Um, 
young kids, they're just naive and they don't realize what they're consuming. And this is why every parent needs to know, like one of the fights Lost Voices of Fentanyl and other nonprofits like myself were screaming, where is the public awareness campaign from the White House down? They did it for COVID. That's what we want. We want a COVID-like response to fentanyl. They had the ticker up there for COVID. Where's the ticker for fentanyl deaths? And this is our youth. Like, this is our future generation. Our government needs tools in their toolbox that they currently do not have. The Mexican cartels need to be labeled a terrorist organization. I mean, they are narco-terrorists. We need illicit fentanyl labeled a weapon of mass destruction. This is not normal. And it will never be my new normal. And I mean, I think I'm going to fight. I'm going to fight forever. Like my son is gone. It destroyed my life, but I'm using my pain and turning it into purpose. I don't want your family to be affected because we just you can never say not my child. Yeah. I can't imagine the kind of pain that you're going through and that you've been through. No mother should ever have to deal with that. Um, we are seeing younger and younger children being affected by fentanyl. What, what are you seeing on that front? Well, younger and younger, we have babies dying. You can go on Google and Google babies dead by fentanyl. You're going to see story after story after story. So how is this just limited to the substance use disorder community? We're way beyond that. We're begging and pleading to do something different. At least warn the public. We're the warnings. Us parents are doing it. We're standing on street corners, holding signs. Parents all across America. We're having another, we're having our huge rally. Lost Voice of Fentanyl, September 23rd. We'll be in front of the White House. We were in front of the White House last year. It's like we almost got to shame them into doing something. We don't want to go in front of the White House. I don't want to do that. I want to do memori beautiful memorial events. Let us grieve our children. And we can't even do that because we got to warn everybody else because we don't want other, other families to feel our pain. I don't wish this on anybody. It's like a living hell. It's been four years without my son, and it's, it doesn't get better. It gets different. But it's never going to be better that my kid is dead. Never. I'm so sorry to hear your pain, though. What do you think that parents can do to protect their kids from this threat? Take Snapchat off their phones, first and foremost, because they're not doing their job in protecting young kids. They're just not. Um, I know there's other social media platforms out there, but we need to talk to our children. If you see a chance, I mean, I'm not a counselor, I'm not a therapist, but change in behavior. I mean, just the common things. Be nosy. They're your children. Be nosy. Get in their phones. See who they're talking to. I mean, there are predators out there literally going after our youth. They want these young kids hooked on it because it's a moneymaker. The cartels, drug dealers, they don't care. Money trumps human lives, and that's all it is. It's money for them, but we're paying the price. My son's best friend died from taking a Xanax. No one ever dies taking a Xanax, ever. They do now because they're fake. Oh, so this is... If yeah, if you're abusing drugs 
and you're you're going to your dealer, don't trust your dealer. Just devastating. Yeah, it's, it's scary. This is a nightmare. Absolutely. And an important one, as you say, to make people aware. Make people aware is the very first step. That's the biggest thing we can do right now because so many people, a lot of these mothers in my group, I mean, it's a very common theme. They had no idea what fentanyl was until they got their kid's toxicology report. And then they join my group and they have all these questions about fentanyl. And right. it, and then it's too late because their kid's dead. It's too late. And they and this is what they're screaming. Why wasn't I warned? I didn't even know. Devastating. Gosh, thank you so much for sharing all about this. You're so close to this. And I think it's really important to, to get this awareness up. So thank you so much. April Babcock, founder of Lost Voices of Fentanyl. Really appreciate it. Thank you. And if you have any news tips or feedback for our show, you can email us at eveningnews at ntd.com. And up next, Iranian warships in the Atlantic Ocean docked in Rio de Janeiro. Brazil's former president, Jair Bolsonaro, gives us his take on the situation. And in tennis, the world's number one ranked player will miss an upcoming pair of U.S. tournaments. NTD's Dave Martin reports on when the unvaccinated Novak Djokovic could return. That and more coming up. Brazil is allowing Iranian warships to dock in Rio de Janeiro. How does this affect the U.S.? We hear from an expert and from Brazil's former president, Jair Bolsonaro. Brazil's government has authorized the Iranian regime to dock two of its warships in Rio de Janeiro. The government gave the authorization in January, the first month of newly elected Lula da Silva's presidency. Brazil has historically been close to Israel, an adversary of Iran. The spokesperson of Israel's foreign relations ministry condemned Brazil's decision, writing, the Iranian regime has executed dozens of terror attacks against ships, putting in danger the maritime freedom of navigation. Brazil's former president, Jair Bolsonaro, spoke about the ships in an exclusive interview with NTD's sister media, The Epic Times. Bolsonaro says that Brazil's new leadership is strengthening its ties with left-leaning regimes. I think that they'll get close to Latin American regimes such as Venezuela and Cuba, but also to countries like Iran and North Korea. Both of the ships have ties to the Navy of the Islamic Revolutionary Guard, which has been designated a terror entity by the United States. The U.S. State Department previously warned that Iran shouldn't get a foothold in the Western Hemisphere. We spoke with Marcos Shakis, editor-in-chief for the Epic Times Brazil. He says Iran's ships are part of the regime's strategy to weaken the U.S. The Iranian Navy has been talking a lot about projecting power abroad, projecting power in the U.S., near abroad in Latin America, in controlling more maritime lanes and really showing their face to the world. So that's part of that broader effort. He went on to say that the timing of this is important. Iran has reportedly been ramping up nuclear production. Tensions between China and Taiwan are rising, and the U.S. keeps financing Ukraine against the Russian invasion. Brazil, of course, is part of BRICS, which includes Brazil, Russia, China, India, and South Africa. Now, there's been talks about Iran 
and maybe Saudi Arabia, curiously, um, even Argentina joining BRICS. So what we're seeing um, is perhaps Russia and China leveraging momentum in the international stage to try to strengthen a block of countries that's against U.S. interest. However, even with Brazil being part of BRICS, former President Bolsonaro says... If I were president, the ships wouldn't be there. Lula's government reportedly said that it was a sovereign decision to let the ships dock and that Iran is not Brazil's enemy. The full interview with former Brazilian President Bolsonaro will air Tuesday afternoon on Epic TV at 1 p.m. Eastern Time. To watch it, you can visit theepictimes.com slash epictv. Reporting by Ariane Pazdar, NTD News. Although the Chinese regime might not supply Russia with weapons for the war against Ukraine, a former national security advisor says China is the main global threat to the United States. NTD's Arlene Richards reports. The United States should work to quickly end the Russia-Ukraine war so it can finally focus on its main global threat, the Chinese Communist Party. That's what Keith Kellogg, a retired Army general and the former national security advisor to Vice President Mike Pence, said in a recent interview. Speaking to Yanya Kellick, host of American Thought Leaders, Kellogg said the U.S. military should fight only one enemy at a time. When you look at what happened in this administration, you know, in their national security policy, they don't call anybody an adversary. They don't call the Russians an adversary. They don't call the Chinese an adversary. They call them competitors. Look, France is a competitor. China is an adversary, and we need to look at it. He said until the U.S. takes the Russians off the stage, it can't focus on the predominant threat, China. Kellogg emphasized that the United States should do everything it can to help Ukraine stand up against the Russian army and negotiate with Russia's leadership. I would give Putin a choice. And if I was the president of the United States, you pick up the phone, which President Biden has not done. You pick up the phone and call Putin and say, you got an option. You know, we're going neg to negotiate. And because there's no, been no negotiations, and we should, you're going to lose your army in Ukraine or you're going to take it home. One of the two. It's going to be your choice. Speaking of presidents, former President Trump blasted President Biden for allowing Russia and China to get together. From the time I'm a young man, I learned never allow Russia and China to get together to wed. Never, ever allow it. And we've not only allowed it, we've made them bosom buddies. He said if he were still president, Russia never would have pulled the trigger. Without even my talking to Putin, oil would have been at $40, $35, maybe $30 a barrel. So he wouldn't have even had the money to prosecute a war against Ukraine. Meanwhile, China says it's decided not to deliver weapons to Russia. German Chancellor Olaf Scholz said on Sunday the Chinese government has stated that it wouldn't deliver any weapons, but he said he's continuing to watch it. European Commission President Ursula von der Leyen stated we must observe it every day. Arlene Richards, NTD News. And now over to sports news. Here's NTD's Dave Martin with today's top stories. Thank you, Steph. Former Raiders quarterback Derek Carr has agreed to sign with the New Orleans Saints, according to multiple sources. Carr, who was released this offseason after nine seasons with the Raiders, is set to sign a four-year deal, according to the Associated Press. Carr seemed to confirm the news today, tweeting, Who dat? A reference to a local Saints slogan. The 31-year-old made four Pro Bowls with the Raiders, but was benched for his final two games amidst what had been statistically one of his poorer seasons. The signing will reunite Carr with his former Raiders coach Dennis Allen, 
who was fired just four games into Carr's rookie season. And in tennis news, world number one Novak Djokovic has withdrawn from this week's Indian Wells Tournament in California after being denied entrance to the U.S. because of his vaccination status. Djokovic was also scheduled to play the Miami Open later this month. The 22-time Grand Slam champion is 15-1 this season, having won the Australian Open in January while falling in the semifinals of the Dubai Tennis Championships last week. However, he should be able to play the U.S. Open in September as the COVID-19 emergency declaration is scheduled to end on May 11, which means foreigners can then enter the country unvaccinated. And for your sports viewing schedule tonight, the NBA has six games planned, including the Denver Nuggets, who are quietly leading the Western Conference. They host the Toronto Raptors. And finally, for you hockey fans, the NHL has half a dozen games planned, including the Edmonton Oilers and leading scorer Connor McDavid, who has 122 points and is still the only player to pass the century mark this season. They play at Buffalo. And that's it for your sports news today. Steph, all yours. Thanks, Dave. And that's all for today's news. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Stephanie Cox. Good night.